Okay, hello everybody, and welcome to Video Game Realness, serving up your weekly dose of video game chit-chat amongst friends. This is episode 24, January Jams Part 2, Electric Boogaloo. Oh, You could almost not tell that you were reading off a piece of paper there. It was Thanks. really well done. It's There's a lot of text to read. It really is. Our, our papers today are very jam-packed. Yes, they are. So, uh, thanks, Delvin, for actually helping us set most of the outline. So, I'm hosting this week, and by I am, I mean James is hosting this week. Hi, James. Hi, girls. Hi. <laughs> and with me this week, we have Cameron. Hello, hello. And we have Michael Brown. Hi, I'm back. First time back from the uh, winter holiday. Yeah, I know. I mean, I was on the episode right before we broke off for yeah. Christmas, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, busy times, busy mm-hmm. times. And Delvin can't be with us this week, and nor can Greg, so Delvin is on holiday in Las Vegas, the Paris, ancient Rome, and London of America. (laughs) (laughs) And arguably the least sustainable city in North America, probably. Oh. Because they truck everything in. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That's that's a very interesting. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and Greg is, I'm assuming, doing homework. We'll go with that. I don't know. He only has the one class that's on Tuesday night. Anyway. Not anymore. <laughs> I saw him last night at the Drag Race Battle of the Seasons oh, thing, so there is a potential that he could be hungover. Okay. Which is understandable. That's Yeah, that's probably more so what it is. Anyways, we miss you, Delvin and uh, Greg. Great. Uh, so this week we are continuing our, I guess, month-long journey through music and video games. And as many of you listeners may recall last week, Uh, Those of us who were here uh, went through our top five soundtracks of all time. And after recording, we went to the Twitter first, or the Twitter sphere. Is that a sphere or a verse? The (laughs) Twatiers. The Twatarazzi? The Twatarazzi. The (laughs) Twatiers. What is that even? Is that something... I think I'm thinking somebody uh, something said about Twitter that wasn't actually what I'm thinking about. Okay, because Kathy Griffin. Yeah, yeah, she always is like, twat. tweet me, twat me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. anyways, so we took to the Twitter world to ask some of you what your top five favorite soundtracks are from the video game sector, and uh, we're going to read off some of your responses. So at Progducto, or Progducto, Duck-T-O. Nailed it. <laughs> Your top five uh, video game soundtracks are Chrono Trigger, Street Fighter Third Strike, Donkey Kong Country 2, Final Fantasy 7, and Super Smash Bros. Brawl. Very Ooh. solid. Great. And at Jording Spalds. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm so bad at reading your names. I apologize. Um, in response, he said that he just really loves the B-level techno music in Donkey Kong Country 2, and he's had it for re- on repeat for hours. Upon oh, hours. A recurring theme. You know, it does have really good music. It really does, and it, really like good. I said last dun, time. Dun, dun. See, yeah, you're right. Um, at Fake C. Schroyer, uh, top five soundtracks: Res, Cave Story, n- Cave Story. Sorry, No More Heroes, Bayonetta, and Mega no Man Two. No More Heroes. Sorry, I interrupted yeah. the last half of that list. No More Heroes. Very, very good music hmm. in in that soundtrack. Yeah, Great. awesome. Um, and at Subjective, Katamari Damacy, DDR Extreme, Donkey Kong Country, yet again. Damn. Ridge Racer Type 4, and then Final Fantasy 7. I think you pronounced it wrong. It's Ridge Racer! <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Ridge Racer! 
Um, and also, uh, a lot of our friends at Koopa Club, Game Boy, and uh, OLR posted their top five as well. I think what we're going to do is probably just post all the responses to this tweet on our show notes, and you can browse the top five favorite soundtracks of our little indie gamer sisterhood. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember what that's called after the Christmas the holidays. The sisterhood of the indie gamer podcast. Thank you, Michael. Cameron's had it. Cameron's had it. Okay. You're ridiculous. Um, and we're actually going to go over... <laughs> sorry, I was doing hashtag uh, over it. So Michael... But with like the... Yeah, sorry. Michael saw this. So there's this ad on television in Canada right now because it's just for TELUS Mobility. Mm-hmm. And it has this grandma using her two fingers to do hashtag for Twitter. And he can't get over how obnoxious <laughs> that is. It's, it's, it's really bad, guys. But it started <laughs> as something from um, Jimmy Fallon and Justin Timberlake did like a thing on his show oh. a few months back. Oh, right. And then that's what spawned it because they had a whole conversation oh. by going hashtag om nom nom and like blah blah blah. It was really stupid. Oh, but okay. so it's actually from America. Well, let's be honest. Ninety percent of Canada. Ninety percent of what we consume is from America. Hashtag dollar dollar bills. Oh Jesus. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, All right. So uh, we're gonna briefly go over our now playing because we actually haven't really heard about what Michael has been playing since we last touched base with him pre Christmas, mm-hmm. pre the birth of Jesus Christ. <laughs> wait, <laughs> oh shit! Yes. I'm like, wait, wasn't that when Jesus died? Like, Easter, no, that's, that's Easter. Calm down. Get your orthodoxy straight. Oh, it's all right. All right, Michael. So, what have you been playing? Um, okay, so I finished Phoenix Wright five. Very, very good. Holy shit, that ending! Not expecting it. Hmm. Awesome. Very excited that there was the announcement that the next one is already in development, and that this year we're getting Leighton versus Phoenix Wright. So, very good. Um, and then I uh, started playing Wind Waker, and I'd never really played the game much before. Mm-hmm. And James and I were talking about. Um, am I allowed to say like the? It's it's like mid game ish. Am I allowed to? It's been out for like ten years. Okay, so um, <laughs> when when you go down into, alert, everybody. when you go down into Hyrule and you're in the castle and there's all the stained glass and like that whole yeah. story segment is so awesome mm-hmm. and and then when they were like yeah like all of the islands there are mountain tops and I knew that like Hyrule it was like a flooded yeah. thing but mm-hmm. I just actually playing it was, like, really, really, really cool to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the only thing I find very strange is that, like, um, what, uh, Tetra's hair always looks fucking green because it's, like, always at nighttime and, like, it's, uh, like with the shading, it yeah, always yeah, looks yeah, green yeah. and I'm just like... It's like a brownie green. Yeah. 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 Kind of like vomit. Monkey vomit. <laughs> Monkey vomit. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so that, and I... Can't remember if I'd uh, finished the Kingdom Hearts like HD remix the last time, but I'd played through all three of those on the disc now, and oh. I'm very looking forward to the next ones. And the story's really, really good. And mm-hmm. uh, when you actually get to lay it all down and you play them all back to back to back, um, it becomes a lot more uh, like impactful. So very cool. Okay, how about you, Cameron? What have you been playing? Uh, I tried playing a mobile game. As we all know from our mobile episode, I am not not a fan. Not a fan. Not big into it. But this one, it's Dragon Age Heroes. And like I said last week, I was playing through Dragon Age 2, so I was on a bit of a kick. Uh, how can I explain this game? It's free to start. 
When you start off by saying, how can I explain it? It's free. We know what's coming. <laughs> it's actually, for what it, for free to begin with game, it has very high production values. Like, all the models, like, they're... It's a game where you collect little models of characters from Dragon Age. There's, like, a hundred of them. Right. And you arrange them in, like, a little squad, and each has different abilities, and then you fight other little squads. But the the battle system is all automated, so you decide where your heroes stand, and because of their stats and stuff, it'll automatically do the battle, right. and it's hugely RNG stuff. It's actually pretty neat, and for the first, like, hour or so, I was like, oh, this is really good. I don't feel pressured to buy, like, the gems or stuff. I'm yeah, getting, yeah. I'm unlocking heroes really quickly. It's all quite fun. That's how they get you. Oh, yeah, and then it, there just hits a point where there's a wall. It's like, okay, from here on out, you're either going to grind this one level for the rest of your life to get one pack that might have a hero that you need, or you start paying money. Oh. And, and how it, much do they ask for? Here's the really stupid thing is the first uh, tier of gems that you can buy is 22 for $2. Dollars? No, no, 22 Sorry. gems. <laughs> 22 <laughs> gems for $2. Okay. But you're like my dad. You can't actually buy anything with 22 gems. Oh. So it's like... It, and then you go into the next tier, which is 44 gems, which is 10 more gems than what you need to buy a pack. Oh. So they go through this, like, you can never actually buy things in a proper amount. You have to But if you bought if extras. you bought the 44 and the 22, then you'd have the exact number to get two packs. Not exactly. It's uh, sorry, I fudged the numbers a bit. It's 38 to buy a pack, so it's oh. like 6. Oh, so it's, yeah, it's, it's that's a, stupid. It's right. a very annoying thing and you the other thing about having to grind is it's got that whole energy mechanic where you fight eight times and then you're out of energy and you have to sit let the game sit for 2 hours before oh, yeah. you can play again. So that's really annoying. That's it's it, it's a really neat little game that has some good lore expansion in it uh -huh. that it goes into some of the old things that you read about in codexes and stuff and uh -huh. you get to kind of play through it. And they've got characters in it from like the comics that haven't made it into a game yet. Mm -hmm. All pretty neat, but cool. it just does all of the things that I absolutely hate about free-to-play yeah. mobiles. Yeah. I agree so much. I feel like game developers have invested so much in the mechanisms of how to earn money yeah. off the mobile games as opposed to the mechanisms within the gameplay itself that it's incredibly infuriating to, mm -hmm. to witness. I, uh, last year I got really into Simpsons Tapped Out. Yeah. Um, and uh, my boyfriend and I were both like playing this game a lot and we were saying, you know, we hate that you had to purchase donuts to get some of the good items. Like, I would be so on board with, you know, saying, okay, I will pay $40 and then, like, I can access everything the in the game. Yeah. Yeah. And then when there are new updates, I can access that and I'll still, you know, use it every day. But it was the concept of all of these little microtransactions yeah. where I just wanted to be like, I will pay you money for the whole game mm -hmm. so that there's still a progression. It's not like it all unlocks at yeah. once. Yeah. Like, you have to still gain the levels and wait the, the you know, 24 hours on certain tasks and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I just yeah. find... I found it so frustrating by the end that I, I just... Now, with a lot of mobile games, I... Just, 
It's yeah. like what they did with Plants vs. Zombies 2, right? The first one was like a $5 game, uh-huh. and you, like, or at least on iPad, $5 game, mm-hmm. you purchased it, everything's there. The second one went free to play. It was a free game, but to get like half of the plants, you had to pay money. That's really And annoying. I just wanted to be like, where is just the $5 option for the whole thing? Like, yeah. there are still going to be people who will be like, oh, I want it for free, and now I'm just going to buy this plant seven times, and you end up making more money that way but yeah. yeah we've we've seen games who are perfectly capable of making free to play work in a way that isn't obnoxious like mm-hmm. most MOBA games these days do a pretty good job of it mm-hmm. between League of Legends having you can buy the characters but it's not hard to just play the game a bit and then you'll be able to get your characters that way or Smite where you pay $30 and you get all the characters that are ever going to be released see that's great that's, I know that's, that's yes. exactly what I want from these but, things and then you have games like Dragon Age Heroes where you can pay $4 to get a pack that might have something that you might want but chances are since there's a hundred heroes it's probably not going to be the one you want it's an EA that's, game right no, it's, it's so EA. I think EA is involved with the publishing but it's it's some different company. It's not Bioware that actually made it. Right. Like they have full licensing rights and everything. Right. Still, so, that's, that's... Yeah. That I would sucks. say if you're a big fan of Dragon Age, pick it up for free, play it for an hour, but don't get attached because you're only going to get upset. Yeah. On a slight side note, okay, so with all of the talk of Dragon Age and whatnot, mm-hmm. I've never played the series, but as somebody who likes Mass Effect, is that... Yeah, something I should put on mm-hmm. my list. Like, yep, for well, sure. I like the combat because I remember trying a demo at Fan Expo four years ago and just being like, no. Dragon Age 1 yeah. combat, you will either love it or hate it. Uh, if you really like stopping and taking a while to think about what these characters are going to do um, and how it reacts, it's very good for tactical stuff. Also, if you're going to play Dragon Age 1, play it on a PC. Don't even bother on console. The oh, controls PC, are so. junk. I have it on PS3 if you want to try it. Um, Maybe. If slow, shitty animations and... <laughs> oh my god, that sounds that, right up my alley! If, if you don't like that, then you're probably... Dragon Age Origins is going to just not be it for you. Dragon Age 2, as we talked about last week, more action-oriented combat, but it definitely feels like an unfinished game. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely say go for it. Uh, and if you don't like the first one, and you have the option to go try the second one, just try it as well, because they are very different games. And from a story perspective and how you have your squad of people with you, it's very Mass Effect in that way. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Just to take, you know, take it home... Get- Get a, take a stab at it, sorry, and then see what you think. Take I, a stab at it with your staff. I know. The, do not be a mage. That battle animation for the mage is like, have you seen that YouTube video of the um, of the LARPer who was like, lightning bolt, lightning bolt, lightning bolt. Okay, it, anyways, you just feel like a nerd. You feel like an absolute nerd <laughs> as a mage because okay. the battle animation, you just take your staff and you just poke it out over and over again in the same way. I just feel like a huge nerd doing that. I don't know why. It looks really sad. Okay. But every time I play that game, I get to the point where you get to the wall where they're having a war and the princess, the king's son or whatever is like, I'm super awesome. I'll win this war. And that's where I always stop playing. 
Maybe you will go beyond that. I don't Spoiler know. Spoiler alert, things don't go well for him. Well, I figured not. It didn't look like... I was like, it can't go well now. I'm only like an hour and 30 minutes into the game. Also, it takes a long time to get through the game. There's a it's lot a of talking. It's a very, very long okay. There's a lot of talking. Mm, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Tangent yeah. over. No, Tangent great. over. That's all right. Um, so, do you have anything else you're playing, Cameron? N- nothing new. Like, let's be honest, I'm still playing Smite, but we don't need to talk about that. All right. Okay. Um, well, Michael asked me to talk about Bravely Default, because that's what I've been playing this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we've talked about it a few times. Bravely Default. Super basic. It's not super basic. No, that's what the name means, though. Bravely <laughs> Default, super basic. That's true. That, that's true, in some ways. But Bravely... I'm sure it's a lovely game, but god damn it, that name. Um, Bravely Default is, uh, I guess, Square Enix's newest attempt at establishing a franchise that is within the turn-based, time-battle-based RPG world. Um, I think it's worked out quite well. It, it actually... You like it? I love the yeah, game. Okay, well, cool. wait, no, wait, let me, let me quantify that. I, <laughs> I don't love it. I love it because I don't like where they took Final Fantasy. Okay. So... Is this, like, you think going to replace Final Fantasy, where Final Fantasy has become this different thing that has some Kingdom Heartsy bits and then some yeah. weird... Western bits that make no sense within there, and then this is replacing that old... The old school. So if you yeah. like job systems, if you like grinding, there's, there's, I mean, you know, there's not a lot of grinding, but you have to grind a little bit. Okay. If you like going to the store and buying your spells, like in the old olden days, if you want the old fire, <laughs> fire, fira, firaga system, yeah. that's all in there. The XP okay. system, the, ma- the magic point system, that's all in here. I really like the materia system from... Uh, seven. That sounds like yeah. a crafting thing, is it? Uh, yes and no. Mm. It's less so. It's about you equip your, um, your characters with certain materia, and then yeah. the combination of different materia gives ah. you different abilities. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. So it's not materia, it's jobs. So it's more like X2 oh, okay. or Final Fantasy V. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. All right, but the combat... Combat's great. They've and it's actually, entirely turn-based? It's entirely turn-based, but they've done this thing where they realize the old turn-based combat system is really slow mm-hmm. when you're waiting for everybody to just do their attack. So there's an option where um, if you double-click right on the D-pad, you'll see three forward arrows in the bottom left-hand screen, and everybody attacks really fast. So it speeds through the, the, the actual attack sequences uh, that's in animations. under two seconds, because okay, you can cool. just go through it. See, I always loved uh, the Golden Sun games, uh-huh. the original two yeah, Golden yeah. Sun games, um, because like it was turn-based. Like I have this weird love-hate relationship with active time battle, uh-huh. right? Um, and because sometimes turn-based can be really slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there, it was just like, yeah, if you just pressed A, yeah. it would just go like... Yeah, it would just go through everything really quickly. I should say Bravely Default, I take about it. It's actually not active time battle. Um, it's, it's, it's it's entirely turn based. It's agility based. Yeah, it's agility based turn based. So okay, so you pick all your moves, and then the agility system figures out who goes first, who goes second, etc. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm really gonna like this game. I think you'll like it. And they've actually, I think they've learned from mobile games. This is one thing, Cameron. I will say that we've been able to learn from mobile games is they've simplified how to pick attacks. So instead of having to go up and down on the D-pad and press A and stuff like that, I don't. I guess that's not too complicated. But what they do now is you can play the game pretty much entirely on the D-pad in the battle system. So, for example, um, if you're on the attack menu and you go down to magic, you just press right and then the next menu opens. And then in, from that menu, you select what you want. If you press right, then the next menu opens. And once you've made the final selection, 
by hitting okay you again you hit the right key so it's just it's just more simple that way it's a bit more intuitive mm -hmm. i feel like so that's pretty awesome. The 3D and it's done really well. How does it look beyond just the 3D? Like, is it like a nice looking game? Is yeah. the art nice? Yeah, music? it's like a storybook sort of view. Okay. So if you imagine what Final Fantasy, if the interesting thing about Final Fantasy I've always found is if you look at the concept art, it looks nothing like what the game ends up being. <laughs> like the characters don't look anything yeah. like what yeah. the, um, the, the characters really, character models end up looking like. Um, so it looks like someone basically took the concept art, elevated into maybe art book quality, and then used that. Because it's a 2D oh, cool. background in the oh. cities, and then a 3D models run around them. Hmm. But the 2D backgrounds, there's like moving parts in them. So in this, in this demo, you're starting in the town that's kind of based off a clock. And so there's like cogs moving in the background, oh, cool. and there's wheels spinning on the bottom. And the 3D mode makes it so that you are, it's like you're looking into a, a music box, or it's like you're looking into a... Oh stage, yeah, yeah. It's like a story yeah. box. It's actually done really well that way. Oh cool. <laughs> okay. So and then the demo here is like a, a separate story from the main uh, game, like or or yeah. it's like a lead in or something. Like basically, if you play the demo, you won't replay that in the first hour of the game or whatever. Right. Like it's, it's about doing these quests for a town and trying to rebuild this town, and you can start rebuilding the town, and that data will carry over to the real game. So. You know, if you've spent 10 hours rebuilding a town, that town in the real game will be 10 hours into its development and rebuilding phases, I suppose. Okay. But you're not going to do the same quests again. Like, yeah, that's not which I think is really smart. Yeah. Right? It was kind of like the Phoenix Wright Phoenix 5 demo uh -huh. kind of did that, where you started off with the case and the base of the first case in the demo had similarities, like involved same characters, but the way the evidence required and the, the amount of time it took to do, like, it was more spaced out where I literally thought, like, you would be reading the same text over again. I think that developers are getting smarter now by saying, like, okay, you, you really want this game? Yeah. Here's a demo, but it's not just, like, the first hour cut redo it when you get the full yeah, game. Yeah, it's a great way of sort of ensuring that you get a good experience in the demo, so it's like, so it's not neutered. For example, I found the Sonic Lost Worlds demo to be neutered because it was simply the first stage right? without any sort of progression, but they can do that now without making you feel like you've done something over and over again uh, when you buy the real game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that aside, I've been playing The Room and The Room 2 on iPad, but there isn't much to talk about on that game. <laughs> what are those about? They're like touch-based puzzle games. It's kind of like Myst in that way. Okay. But it's very atmospheric, and the music is really creepy. Mm -hmm. Ooh. So is it like kind of horror-ish, or like mystery? It's thriller. It's a suspenseful thriller. How much are they? Um, the Room is right now on sale, or maybe it's permanently 99 cents. Okay. The Room 2 is four ninety nine, and there's no DLC or anything. It's just the game. Okay. Yeah, and the last game I uh, downloaded the other day, I haven't played it yet, but I'm going to, is Yearwalk. Mm. What? It's a Swedish game. And What's it's it called? Yearwalk. Year? Like, an, like Annum, Year, yeah. and then Walk. Yeah, so it's based off Swedish folklore about apparently individuals around Christmas time, New Year's Eve, and Midsummer. They would go out, they would deprive themselves of food and whatever and heat, and they would go for a walk on the midnight of that day. And it was predicted that you could see the future, basically, if you went on that walk. But you would meet a lot of really strange mythological creatures along the way that could threaten your life. And a lot of people never made it back from their year walks. Anyways, it's this really atmospheric, slightly puzzle-esque game. Um, but that's what I like, I like about the iPad, being able to experience that sort of quote-unquote art, if you will. 
but for 20 minutes at a time <laughs> and for four dollars <laughs> cool yeah, that's okay. it all right so we've talked about now playing i think we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we'll be here with the news for the week Okay, well, welcome back, everybody. Hello. After the break. Hi. And I'm not saying anything. Oh, well, you just did. Now it's awkward. Someone's attitudinal this morning. Anyways, newsflash. <laughs> Titanfall has a 12-player multiplayer cap. Yay. I'm okay with this. Funnily enough, the internet was not. Oh, what? The internet got upset about something? You're kidding. So why are we so upset about this? Oh, people were like, oh, I wanted it to be epic with like 56 people. And it's like, well, hold on a second. Yeah, I think it's so smart. The way they yeah, do. and once you think about the way they've described how the multiplayer will work in Titanfall is you'll have your six players, but then each player will also have a mech. Whenever they're not in the mech, the mech can go and do its own thing. So there's really at least 12 people. On top of that... They apparently also have, like, AI-controlled, sort of like cannon fodder that go through the levels, sort of like in a MOBA sense, yeah. is what people are comparing it to. Okay. So, from what I can see, it's going to be a lot of stuff happening, but it rather than having a just absolute cluster F, like you sometimes get in mm -hmm. Battlefield, it's six actual people, and then the rest are... Right, so perhaps I think it's they, they, so they've done smart. an analysis yeah. and said actually twelve controlled players yes. is is what it's the optimal experience. Yeah. And I it's think... not like they just decided that or that was the uh, tech all they could do technologically. It's yeah. yeah, like James said, they actually did a lot of testing and that was the perfect number for I them. I think that mm -hmm. there's a really smart and and good way about going about it, which is saying instead of having the bullet point can have 128-person multiplayer battles, mm -hmm. right? They said, no, let's not focus on a bullet point. Let's focus on an optimal yeah. playing experience. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. this is how our players are going to have the most fun playing. Because like you're saying, nobody wants to play a clusterfuck. People want to have yeah. fun playing the multiplayer. And I'm sorry, but 128 people is fucking insane you yeah. can't do anything you're always just getting shot like two people have fun in a 128 <laughs> yes, player yes, battle exactly. <laughs> that uh, is very very true now i will say on the opposite end if i'm going to play devil's advocate whenever you do get those smaller groups everything is more dependent on everyone actually playing well so people might get mm. a little bad mannered towards people who aren't doing mm. well because they'll blame that person. It, it, we see it happen in like League of Legends stuff because it's five people. And if one person isn't doing well, then the whole team suffers. So there's the other side of it, but whatever. They should just, <laughs> just lie. <laughs> like they should just have, you know, AI populated characters. So just it's like 128. <laughs> be like, oh, 128 actionable characters at any given time and just leave it at that. Yeah. 
And you could try to yell at the AI, but they're not responding because it's an AI. <laughs> or the AI is just like teabagging you and calling you like, you know, a fag and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. Or they can replace it with those internet sites where you can like talk to a, yeah, an so AI robot. What is her name? Smartbot or something? Oh, there's another one. There's another no. one with like an actual lady yeah. face. But it'd be great to use that thing just to respond back. So that'd be cool. Anyway, it's not a big deal. Yep. NBD. NBD. NBD <laughs> girl. GTIE. <laughs> After this announcement and their explanation to it, I'm feeling more excited about the game. I was kind of like, eh, I might get it. But yeah. now I think I probably will get it. It's X1 only though, right? Oh, and PC though. Oh, and PC? Yeah, and you can okay. get it for PC. Yeah, it's uh, awful how defensive you have to be as a game developer when you make an announcement about oh it's going to be twelve players, and it's not like they come out and say oh guess what everybody unfortunately it's a twelve player no, cast. It's, like, it's more of a how many people can play at once twelve, and then it becomes you know like you know somebody stabbed the queen or something like that. Oh my gosh, Jesus. <laughs> Cameron's having the a queen. Anyway, we'll never have any more funny gifts of her at the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, Kate Middleton will reign supreme. Oh supreme. Mm-hmm, okay. Girl. Anyways, aside from Titanfall being woefully inadequate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, quote of the week. Quote of the week. That um, was so good. <laughs> the Consumer Electronics Show of 2014 also happened in, is it Las Vegas? It is. Yes. Oh, wow. I had a friend who was supposed to go, but with our extreme cold and, you know, our airport apparently oh, not be? being able to oh, handle anything, bad. he could no. not make it out there, which is super bummer. We should get rid of planes. Planes don't work in minus 40. We should just oh, get rid of them. Just make subways everywhere. Yeah, we'll just build the subway, <laughs> subway to Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds basic. Sorry for everyone not in Toronto. It doesn't basic. get our yeah. <laughs> low Las basic. Oh, that's great. Um, anyway, so we had some pretty exciting announcements at CES this year. Uh-huh. Uh, Samsung Bluetooth announced brush. the Galaxy S. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> There's the Bluetooth brush. Oh, there is the, you're right. The I don't know if that's what it's called, but I think like anything that is involving Bluetooth and a toothbrush, Bluetooth brush. Bluetooth brush, yeah. Your teeth will now clean themselves with the power of Bluetooth. Mm. Um, but Steam Machines were finally announced. Everything that we've yep. been waiting for, this mecca of infinitely free gameplay was announced. Yeah. Um, Little confused though yes. by them. They yeah. weren't how we expected. We I were think expecting everybody was so like what? what? Like oh. We were expecting kind of a this is your PC that could be brought into the living room environment at a lower price point. Yeah. But a, but none of them are any less expensive than the Xbox One and most so... of them are more expensive than yeah. It's like they just made Alienware all over again. Some of them are like, I remember reading one was like a lower price point of like $400. Mm. And they were like, this is the low end. Like we've aimed this as the low end model. And then there are other ones that are like $2,000. And all I can say is like, that sounds sustainable. Yeah, I feel like... (laughs) Maybe we're missing something, but the people who are going to spend that much money on a computer are the people who are probably going to spend the time to figure out how to buy each piece individually and put it together themselves and just end up saving money and not needing these things. I I don't understand what the target market is for a steam machine that's two thousand dollars. It's so it's so weird. I just don't I don't get it. Like I and the weirdest thing to me is that Valve, and I guess this, okay, it ties in with what their 
general mantra is corporately, but mm -hmm. they are not making an actual one themselves and yeah. saying like, okay, we're having open where all of these other companies can make their own, but here's ours and we're saying that this is the baseline yeah, and whatnot. Yeah. They're just like, no, you all do it. We'll yeah. make the controller, right? Mm -hmm. And and we made SteamOS, but no, like, it's so weird to me. That's frustrating to me, actually, because it, it kind of sounds like they are, they're not listening to what others in sort of the digital and the tech space have learned. It's kind of, I, I don't know, maybe they have yeah. and they've decided they're different enough. But a prime example is, I think, Android operating systems and Google's extension into yeah. um, operating system provision. Like, Android phones for a very long time were fragmented as heck. Like, yeah. you could have anything you wanted, and there wasn't a standard, and nobody knew when the operating system would perform optimally on what piece of hardware. So yeah. it did, really did take Google to actually make a Nexus device and say, this is the this standard. Is exactly, and right? Then that's and when you saw Samsung catch up and say, okay, we know what the standard is. We can offer something perhaps a bit more premium, charge a higher price point, yeah. but there is a basic model that is optimal or at least will run the software efficiently. Yeah. I think that this says, to me at least, that Valve is like, we don't know how this is going to go, so you all spend your money, mm. and then if it's popular, then maybe we'll make our own. But right now, it seems like they're taking a very backseat uh, kind of stance to see how everything pans out and how people actually feel about Steam machines. Because they know that if people are buying these from all of these different companies, mm -hmm. that if those are popular, then if they release their own, it will be wildly popular, more so than any of the other machines. Yeah. yeah, it really feels like they're not living up to the hype. I mean, it's, it's very difficult to live up to hype, I understand. For sure. Um, but I, I, I guess there's always this expectation that Valve has... Um, they just have a bit more of a, a meticulous thought and planning process that isn't evident, I would say, from the presentation of these machines. Totally. Yeah. yeah, totally. Oh, random yeah. side note that we don't have on this list. Did you guys hear about that $37 tablet? Oh, yeah, I did like see. Already, like, you can already buy it. Like, here in Canada, it's like an Android tablet, 7-inch screen. And, like, I was reading things about it, and people were like, yep, yeah, like, works perfectly great. Like, it's from a Mississauga-based company, huh. right? Huh. And yeah, and so it's it's thirty eight. It's thirty eight dollars. It runs Android like four point something. Yeah. Is there something? Is there one of them called like icing? Ice cream sandwich. There you go. It's four point two. Yeah. So that's the one that it runs on. But a thirty eight dollar tablet. I think that's really interesting. I think that's significant potential. And Android's recently been trying to get into the education space with like education whole, games, etc. Thirty seven dollars for this whole a school. Thing, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. This whole thing was like. Uh, and there was like some sort of interview. Some some dad was saying like, like yeah, I can't outfit my three kids with iPads. It's fucking insane. But a thirty seven dollar tablet. Okay, if one of them breaks their tablet in half, mm -hmm. like I have no issue going to get another forty dollar tablet. Yeah, you know exactly. And and this company is trying to market to the three billion people who you know can access internet but the barrier to entry of like having one of these devices right. is so prohibitive the hardware cost is yeah. much too high so i think mm -hmm. it's really interesting we'll see what happens here yeah very no cool. that is very interesting actually and maybe how it can change the mobile gaming space but um mm -hmm. there was one thing i guess uh, people started to review the valve the steam machine controller yeah and um i don't know cameron you you you, you made a face the few times we brought this up yeah i i <laughs> 
maybe I'm just not finding the right reviews, but all of the videos that I ended up watching, they just kept harping on about the haptic feedback, which is cool and all, but no one's actually being able to explain well how that actually feels. And I feel what are haptics? <laughs> exactly. Just to say haptics. It, it's it's the buzzword, and they they just keep having to talk about it. And I feel like they're being told to talk about it, and like that's neat. It's cool, but. Let's be honest, everyone's not going to know what it means until they feel it themselves. Mm-hmm. What I want to know is, how well does it actually control? Agreed. People are saying that, or what they were trying to sell it as, was that it can control like a first-person shooter game as right. well as a mouse could. Right. I but saw... no one's actually saying whether or not it can. They just keep saying, oh, I can feel it move when I move my thumb. I'm like... Right. Cool. That makes no sense. So, so when you talk about the haptics, it's basically about providing a system of tactile feedback onto your thumb, for example, to allow your body and your mind and your brain to gauge how far you are moving something. Uh, so, you, so, so like when you adjust mouse sensitivity yeah. in order to, well, that's not really tactile, but it, it's, it's in that way. Yeah, Building okay, a system it. where there's, if I push hard, how hard my brain I think I'm pushing is equivalent to how quickly the screen is moving. Mm-hmm. Like ensuring that that sync is there is really important when you're building a, a non-joystick-based controller, I would yeah. say. I yeah. just remember um, seeing the photo of this controller for the first time and yeah. being like, the back of this looks really weird. Where's the front? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then people were like, no, that's, that's the front of it. And I was just like... Sorry, Those sorry. look like really weird areolas. <laughs> Did you guys see the comic of the one? It was somebody using a steam machine, but then they turned the the little thumb pads into portals from Portal Two, and they were actually touching Gabe Newell's nipples. It's just like, wow. Well, that's really strange. The internet's weird. I was it's gonna say weird. that I thought I thought maybe you thought they were like PS Vita <laughs> touch pads on the back of her. Yeah. <laughs> Because you're playing the PS Vita. You're like, oh, wow, Valve put touchpads on the back of their controller, too. Oh, P.S., did you guys already discuss the guy from last Saturday night in the McDonald's? Oh, no. no. That That was, like, unfortunate virtual reality, like, ARness. All right, we all went out for karaoke last Saturday, and we ended up McDonald's at at, at night um, because, you know... Because of what reasons, yes. at two a.m. at two a.m. and and I'm sitting beside us with or or standing standing and, and gaming and enjoying <laughs> himself beside us was a man who did not have a PS Vita. He had a PSP first of all. Is what no, it was. it was a PS. Vita. No, it was a PSP. It was a PSP three thousand. <laughs> oh, what the. F- Okay. <laughs> he had it plugged into the wall, and I mean, he was listening to the music on his PS Vita. I uh, sorry, PSP, and he was also taking pictures of everything, like in virtual reality space. And moving. I thought it was a PS Vita because I thought like, that he was playing like little deviants or something. <laughs> no, he was like, taking photos. Oh yeah, he was having a lot. He was of having fun. a great time, which is great. But oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, anyways, also at CES, um, Razer announced a modular PC, which is not a Steam machine, correct? It's just a modular PC. I'm assuming it could still run it could still, Steam OS, right, right. which would turn it into a Steam machine. But What's it's not marketed mod- uh, under the, the Valve brand. What's a modular PC? A modular PC is something that I invented yes. eight weeks ago. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, um, if you go back a few episodes, you I will see. I forget which one it is exactly. I don't know, but... We can put it in the show notes. Um, anyways... It is a PC in which you don't necessarily have to know the internal architecture 
or how the software and how the motherboard, for example, works in order to exchange parts of the PC. So essentially, it's a, it's like a strange oh, thin tower, gotcha. and you pull out and you plug in parts. I'm assuming there's a little bit of a modification you have to do when you boot it, but otherwise, it's a simplification of the PC upgrade process, and all you have to do is buy labeled components. Yep. Ideally, to say you need better video cards, this is like a two-star rating. Here is a three-star rating module that now you just oh, plug cool. in. Okay, that's yeah. smart. The unfortunate thing about this instance of it is it's all Razer, so mm. it's only Razer pieces. Not mm -hmm. saying Razer is bad, I have some Razer stuff, but since it's only theirs, yeah. it's very expensive. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. there's not really a competitor that could be like, oh, we'll, you can pu plug our piece yeah, into your it's... Razer thing. It's like, no, this will only run Razer things. So. Yeah. It's a good first step, but again, it's sort it's of like in the same, same vein as Steam Machines where it's like, I don't see what the audience is i know well i but i will say it's because it is so expensive yeah. yeah and i don't again i agree with cam i don't see this point where my mom is at a position who knows well you know quite frankly i don't know anything about computers either in terms of oh, yeah just get one. somebody else to do it for yeah them. but i'm not still in a position where i'd be like you know what i would pay a 15 percent premium so i could build my own pc without knowing about it like i just yeah. would either get someone else to build it or i wouldn't build it you know exactly i feel like the person who wants to sort of build their PC, like, I, I don't know what I'm talking about, whatever. <laughs> but, I mean, it's exciting that, it's, it. that it's been... <laughs> Hashtag over it. Hashtag over it, yeah. But it's exciting that we're actually going into the space, mm -hmm. interested to see how it's going to evolve. I Definitely. don't know if they can achieve economies of scale to be able to drop the price. That's where my concern is. Yeah. The PC market, in terms of this model, might not be that scalable. Yeah. But then again, I know nothing about the PC market, really. <laughs> I would ask Tristan, but he's at the gym spotting people. Okay. <laughs> We need to double-click on that. <laughs> double-click on that. Yeah, sorry. That's some business lingo for everybody. You can spread that around your office, and whenever somebody has an idea and you want more information, uh, just say, we need to double-click on that. Which is funny, That's... because you rarely have to double-click on many things. No, yeah, it, you can tell it's like an old CEO thing, because yeah, there are old people so. who Windows don't know Windows 95 <laughs> CEO. Anyways, um... I think that's most of the news for CES, but I will say one thing that was announced during that period of time, mm -hmm. and I think we should challenge video game companies to do, is that Intel, I think, has announced that all of their chips are now made of free of conflict materials. So uh, they found ways to source like tungsten, gold, etc., from countries that are not controlled by guerrilla armies and guerrilla warfare. So it is a bloodless chip, essentially. That's very good to hear. Mm -hmm. But we've not been able to do that with the rest of the space. You know, none of the consoles can do it. And even this $37 tablet, I'm pretty sure it doesn't do it. But... Oh, really? You think that that doesn't? <laughs> no, you're kidding. But anyways, it's just really great to see. Um, so moving on from CES, we have some other news to talk about. Um, I guess we can go to... Actually, let's do a fun tidbit. Xbox 360 Pizza Hut app. Can someone explain this to yeah, me? Yeah, okay. So there is a Pizza <laughs> Hut-like app that's on your dashboard for Xbox 360, and you can order pizza from Pizza Hut or, or any of their other weird things that they sell there. Um, and in the first <laughs> like four... Pasta? Yeah. Not that and like, weird. And like, no, and like... I don't know. They have like little like dippy bits and... Like dipsticks? Dip yes. Okay. They used I to don't... have potato wedges that were so good, but they don't anymore. So, sorry. This app <laughs> came out in April 2013. Yeah. And in the first four months that it was available on Xbox 360, it made over $1 million in terms of orders. Yeah. Which to me was like crazy. Oh, and did you guys know that Pizza Hut was the first online order ever in 1994? 
No. Yeah, makes sense. they were the very first thing to ever use an online ordering system. Like, anything ever. Pizza Hut. See, what's the funny thing is, I don't really ground. eat at Pizza Hut anymore. That's no. kind of like... I think a lot of people do. I feel like it's like a really 90s, early 2000s thing to order at Pizza Hut. Hmm. That could just be me. Or maybe it's my Toronto. I don't know. The one million dollars of Xbox 360 sales. Like, it's so weird. Like, you literally build your pizza and there are pictures. I don't know. But there are 350 million people in America. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, X percentage on Xboxes. So, I mean. It's kind of. And their pizzas are like $12. Let's be honest here. (laughs) Hashtag tidbit. Okay. (laughs) Okay, moving on. Um, okay, I guess, uh, Nintendo, really quickly. So, uh, we'll start off with Nintendo holiday sales in Japan. Um, essentially they topped the top ten with 3DS and Wii U. Which is quite impressive, given the struggles that they've had recently. Well done. I'm glad that Wii U is... I I really hope it's on the up and up. It is the top second... It is the second top selling console in Japan right now. Okay. I think except recently when, uh, I think PS Vita came back up. Which, by the way, Nintendo's little holiday eShop blunder was like... Oh, you mean where you couldn't log on? The, to the eShop? Yeah. Yeah, like... I thought you were talking about the music they played in the eShop. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 the, the, the fact that you couldn't log on for like a week and all of their bundled consoles, like the Wind Waker bundled one yeah. and the Mario one, I believe they were all download code based. Yeah. So people paid money for these bundled games, mm-hmm. which weren't on the system, you had to download them, but the fucking eShop was down for like five days, so you could get a console for Christmas and have two games that you couldn't access for like a fucking week. Yeah, again, how does the internet work? I have no idea what I'm doing, said the dog who runs the servers at Nintendo. (laughs) (laughs) I love that dog. (laughs) Um, But I mean, I'm glad to see though that there's actually some sales numbers to support maybe why their servers went down, as opposed to being the least sold console during holiday, and yet not being able to support the servers. That would be discouraging. PS4 sold 4.2 million consoles. PS4 is just out of this world right now. It's It's just being bought by everybody and their mother is what yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm hearing basically now they just need some software yeah to support yeah. it but it, apparently titty shots are good enough for most people to buy a <laughs> ps4 either to displays one one's boobs or to watch another person display but you don't boobs. need a ps4 to do that in fact i don't think you can watch the live streams on your ps4 so you just do it on twitch now you just do it on twitch oh yeah. great well it's now we've twitch. all found even more free pornography just go onto twitch and go through yeah, but whatever. now this is some hot grills well hmm this is homemade. <laughs> well, homemade is where it's at, I think. <laughs> well, we just learned more about James. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, but another Nintendo news. Um, apparently, there was a lawsuit going against them from, I think it's Tamachi Technologies. I don't have the name. Apologies, folks. Um, about Nintendo stealing their patented 3DS software, glasses-free 3D. 3D yeah. Um, anyways, the court ruled in favor of the plaintiff, and now Nintendo owes them how much was it? Fifteen million in damages, and then per device is four forty-five or one point eight two percent. And uh, they also just released the number of I don't know if it was to date. I imagine it's to date and not not in the last year, but eleven million three DSs sold. Um, in, in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, alone. So is that... What do you guys think, based off of 3DS numbers, is that to date or just ever? Uh, or, or sorry, to date or year? I mean, like 2013. I, I There's mean, a lot of 3DSs have sold, like, a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if it's 
this year, year to date. Yeah. Because so, they have been selling them. No, you know what? I'm going to say lifetime. Lifetime. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, the 445 uh, per device. Yeah. Like, so that is forever the yeah. 3DS sells. Nintendo is giving that away. And so I was making the interesting point of do you think that's why they started with the 2DS thinking that they were probably going to have this coming down the pipeline? And Probably a contributing factor. Probably not the main one, but yeah, probably was one of the things that got it pushed out as quickly as they got it out. Yeah, I mean, that that I, that I definitely agree with. Maybe mm-hmm. they did rush it. I mean, the 2DS is still built as a more basic unit, just yeah. based upon screen size. It's not like they made the 2DS XL, you know, with giant screens, right? <laughs> You never know they when that's going to happen. If, if they make it with a giant screen, they will have made the Sega Game Gear all over again. I saw a woman playing a 2DS in the Edmonton airport last Friday. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't tell what she was playing. I just wanted to go over and be like, Hey, girl, are you Can't playing Pokemon? Can you just, like, slowly right? walk faster with Street Pass and then... I was sitting right <laughs> yeah, here. And then check her out. Oh, oh, I, I should check my Street Pass. It's probably on there. There you go. No, you should have checked it there, because if it said system settings, I would have gone over like, did you play system settings at the airport? <laughs> oh, um, the Edmonton airport. But, you know, in terms of costs, I, I suppose you either pay for some of this stuff up front or you pay for it... Um, after the fact that you've already developed the system. You can either do it properly and integrate them and pay a solid fee up front or now pay royalties. Though I suppose in some circumstances you pay royalties consistently. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the oh, yeah. PS Vita even say development structure was like that way. So, yeah. All right. Hashtag no idea. <laughs> um, we need to do a video version of this episode just so you can all see every time he says hashtag. Yeah, we need a Vine Death account. Little... <laughs> yes. And we'll just put Vines of Michael doing his little hashtag fingers. Guys, I'm doing it ironically. It's very hipster. <laughs> yeah, and so is Vine. Hashtag hipster. <laughs> um, so uh, over the past couple, I guess the past week, we've also had... IGN predominantly talk about some next generation games coming up. Both Infamous Second Son and the fact that Halo 5? Or is it New Halo? 5. I, I think it, I think it's, it's considered it's 5. 5, yeah. but I don't know what they're calling it. Okay, but ODST and Reach were not considered 3 and 4. So No, no 3 was just, considered 3. They were like 3.15 and, 3. and then 3.5. I thought that Reach was considered like prequel to everything yes yes story-wise that was, zero. That was halo, zero. halo zero okay well halo whatever the hell it's called is <laughs> halo coming x1. to the x1 this yeah. year um what's everybody's thoughts um on games existing for consoles <laughs> i think <laughs> you mean flagship <laughs> franchises are coming to their flagship it's consoles shocking i'm yeah. surprised i think the news from this, this i think the news from this is that it's coming out in 2014 yes. no no that i definitely so. understand it's kind of nice to me to to see that within, I don't know, because I feel like with, and this is more of like a Square Enix thing, but after seeing their <laughs> insanely long development cycles, yeah. I've gotten so used to hearing something announced and then six years later being able to play it. Yeah. Um, so to hear, you know, them last year when they announced the Xbox One saying, and here's the new Halo game, to then one year later say, and here it is on the console, yeah. is a mm-hmm. very nice thing. It's refreshing. Even Brawl, oh, which God. got delayed so many times yeah. and whatnot. Um, when is that game coming? Have they, no, they haven't. This, okay, the new one? Yeah. yeah. 2014. It's for sure this year, because if they don't, like... Probably holiday season. 
Yeah, it'll yeah. be holiday because it's not making it's not making spring, and then we go into right. that time of year where nobody releases games. Right, we talked about this. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as, as for Halo, uh, I liked three a lot, and I I know not a lot of people did, but I really liked Reach. I wanted to like four, but I didn't. I got sick of it pretty quickly, so I didn't really like the new development team, so I'm not super excited about the next Halo. Oh, I really like the development team. They're so friendly. I mean, oh, I'm sure they are. They're good people. I know, I know, I know. I didn't mean it that way. No, of course, I know. I was just saying, like, you know, when whenever I'll, like, meet these developers, like, if there are little things in games, I'm just like, Oh, whatever. Oh, it's fine. Like, they're, they're, they're good people. Yeah, right? right? It's like when your friend is in a really horrid one-man show and you go and like uh, yeah. see that and you're like, it was great. That was, that was a show that happened. Good job. <laughs> you were, you were on stage. <laughs> yeah. You converted wow. oxygen into carbon dioxide. Wow. The programs were really well designed. <laughs> ah, thank you for that friend's quote. Thank you. Um, yes. <laughs> but I don't know. Infamous Second Son, I'm reading that apparently the gameplay is really well designed. Yeah. And, which is awesome. I'm excited for the fact that this game, I think, is either late February or March. Watch Dogs oh, is late February. No, it's not. Watch Dogs is February. Are you sure? I think you're thinking a different game. I thought, Watch Bo- I, thought, blah, blah, blah. I thought Watch Dogs was pushed back till June. No, 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 like uh, Ubisoft's Watch yeah. Dogs, right? Yeah. No, it's uh, February. Okay, then EB Games hasn't updated their release mm. schedule. They're still saying 20 June. Oh. <laughs> I always thought they said they were pushing it just till February. And then Infamous is around that time, so there's finally going to be some software good, for my PS4. Good. Yay, something without a drought. And then in not-so-happy and positive video gaming news, mm-hmm. um, I guess but this was closer to the end of the Christmas holidays when this happened, I Yeah, think. it was a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So You go, Cameron. There were a number of DDoS attacks, which is... Uh, what does the first D stand for? Directed? Something like that. Denial of service. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's where some jackwad goes and hammers a server to knock it down. Say, for example, Steam. Mm-hmm. For the lulls. For the lulls. Not for any actual, just because he's a... Fuck. Sorry. It, it pissed me off. <laughs> I'm not Which is, you know what? It's probably what he was going for. Anyway, yeah. a couple weeks ago, this guy or group of hackers called Derp. Derp. <sighs> Right? (laughs) Like, come on. They took down Origin first for a few hours. Then they proceeded to take down the Steam store. Then they took down League of Legends servers. And then they went on to just be dicks to other smaller things. Like, Smite was down for a few hours. and uh... Yeah, I couldn't play SimCity 5 for, like, five hours. Yeah. Which was pretty upsetting, because I bought it that day. Oh. And then we played for a bit, and then we logged off. And then we tried to get back on. Yeah. And then we said, now what do we do? I guess we have to talk to each other. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> uh, right? Isn't that just horrible? Having Terrible. to talk to each other? Oh. So it was a very big, annoying thing. And there were people on Twitter claiming it was them. And they were all trying to be badasses. And it wasn't really them. And then it turned out people got their IP addresses. And then they got fucked. So a little big mess. I don't big... understand how any of this works. It's... I believe there's a series of tubes involved. Yes, tubes in the interwebs. (laughs) But anyway, a hamster running on a circle kind of has something to do with it. Anyway, there was this one guy who is a pretty popular Twitch 
uh, streamer, not going to bother naming his name. We don't need to know. He's a jackass anyway. He decided to use this as an opportunity to make some money. He got in contact with the derps and proceeded to let them take down every other League of Legends, I think it was League of Legends, server, okay. except for the one that he was on. And then he was streaming at the time. So League of Legends is the biggest thing on Twitch, really. So mm -hmm. they get the most views. So everyone who was on there trying to watch League of Legends, they're really their only option was this one guy. Mm -hmm. So he ended up with 100,000-ish concurrent viewers on, I think it was the Monday. And during that time, he turned his chat onto subscriber-only mode, which means that if you want to interact with him or the derp people, because he was sitting there talking with the hackers while this whole thing was uh, going on, you have to pay $5. You have to pay him $5? It's part of the Twitch interface. It's sort of their way of, here, if you want to make money off of this, you can have your people, if they want... Not everyone does this. Like, people will some... like. I'm subscribed to one guy. He doesn't make you subscribe to use anything. It's just say, hey, this is what I do for a living. So yeah. it's a generally, it's usually a good thing. But this guy. Michael looks terrified. Yeah, Sorry, I know. I, I, I'm, try, I'm trying to like tone it down. Don't worry. It's normally, it's a good thing. This guy though, like I said, 100,000 people on his, watching his stream. And to actually interact, he made it so you had to pay $5. During that day, I think he got something around 16,000. I don't know. A lot of people. And who are all of day, these fucking people who I, felt that they needed to spend $5 to interact on a comment board where their yeah. comments would be vanishing in like three seconds? Yes, yeah, exactly. So we wound up making, d depending on how much Steam actually cuts out, around $70,000. And during the whole thing, it's just, you guys need to actually read this story because it ends up being absolutely ridiculous. Like somebody ended up counter trolling this guy, called the cops on him. The cops show up at one point. Yeah. It's absurd. He ended up making between ad revenue also on his YouTube channel and all that something in the vein of like a hundred thousand. Isn't that collusion though? Yeah, I like, don't know I, what's isn't, going isn't to happen. Isn't this criminal? This, this sounds like something. insider trading. Well, <laughs> it something does, like that actually. But it's it's like yeah, I, I would assume this has something to. I guess if the dirt people don't make a cut, I guess it's not collusion. Yeah, they're doing it just to make the big and big companies angry because they like money and that's mean. It's like, oh, Well, so up. does this guy, apparently. A bunch of 16 year old oh. kids. I don't understand any of it. Guys, like, it's this a, is like a level of the internet I didn't even know existed. Yeah. The fact that 100,000 people, like, that, I don't get the concept of saying like, oh, I want to watch somebody stream League of Legends. Like, I, I don't get that. I, I love watching... We like, had an esports yeah. discussion once. Cameron likes it, but... I, I enjoy it a lot, but I can understand why people don't. It's... It's like, imagine I had to pay to tweet at NBC when they had, like, NFL on, and then, like, for the chance my, my tweet would show up on yeah. the big screen. It's, like, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. And, like, I don't pay money to chat. Like, I never use the Twitch chat. Yeah. I, I, I give him one guy five bucks, because it's like, I like your stream, you do a good job, and he's trying to make a living off it. So yeah. it's like, But cool. that's like giving that's, people that's... money on the subway when they're playing, <laughs> and you like what they play. I'm sorry, yeah. there's that cellist yeah. at Young and Blur. He's really he's good. Fantastic. I will give him money sometimes, because I enjoy what he's playing. Yeah. But that's that's a different sort of yeah. so this, story. This was like the biggest DDoS attack that I had ever witnessed. I've seen it on smaller scales for, like, say, certain like League of Legends or Smite tournaments where somebody will actually attack one of the players. Like, somehow they got their IP address via, like, I don't know, Skype or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then DDoS them, knocking them out of the tournament kind of thing. Uh, there was a big problem in the Smite European 
league for about a couple months where it was it, no point in watching because some jackass just eliminated every team except for one every week. So it's oh, just that's really annoying. It was really annoying. Well, while Michael collects himself, (laughs) we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we will talk about um, video games and the effective use of music and storytelling. Stay tuned. Back from break, everybody. Yay. Oh. <laughs> um, all right, but before we get into our music topic, uh, Michael Brown didn't get to give us his top five lists that we got to give last week. So, Michael, can you first give us your top five games that you played in 2013, and then your top five game soundtracks of all time? Okay. All time. So, um, for the top five games of 2013, um, I don't think that this is in... Any sort of order, but I'll quickly order it now. Okay, so number five, um, Bioshock Infinite. Did you play that? Yeah, I really liked it. Like, um, the story got kind of confusing at the end, but Mm. it was a lot, like, the combat in the Bioshock games, I always love. It's just super fun, right? Mm -hmm. And then I, a lot of people are like, oh, why, why is there, like, money in every trash can and, like, all of that? And that's, I love inspecting every object and collecting shit. So, that was good. Number four, Pokemon XY. Ah, uh, I someone, someone put it on their list. We talked about it last week, how we all loved that game, but it didn't make it on any of our top five. It yeah. was like number six for all of us. Yes, yeah, that's true, yeah. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, and then number three, um, the Mass Effect Citadel DLC. Ooh, that was, that was my too. number two. Yeah, so... <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my uh, god. Oh my god. The feels. feels. Oh, it's so good. Oh my god. It like. Okay, these two are like staring off into space right now. Yeah. They are playing a visual theme on the piano. There's too many. Stop. There's too many. Okay. It's so good. You need to. uh, You need to. Okay. Not just because of the party at the end, but the actual like missions in it. It's so, so good. It's so good. Oh my god! And then and then when they're like trapped, and then <laughs> and then Shepard's just joking. And uh, what does he say? Like I, I should go. I should go. I, I should sh- go. I should go. Yeah, it's really good. There's a recurring theme in a lot of the Mass Effect games where whenever you want to end a conversation, you pick the dialogue option to end it. But a lot of the time, he would say, "I should go." And it kind of became a meme, and then they oh, played on so it really well. So good, yeah, it was so good. Where somebody okay. says, "I should go back to him," and and then he's like, "I don't sound like that." What? And it's so, so good. So Mass Effect Citadel DLC. Okay. Amazing. Um, number two, Resogun for PS4. Ah, yes. So, um, so much fun. I have like poured hours into that game, and I could keep on going and. Um, 
yeah, twin stick uh, shooter. If you've got a PS4, get it. If you don't have a PS4, but you're planning on getting one in the next few months, just mm-hmm. get it now and play Rezo again. Um, number one. Buy a $400 system to play one <laughs> indie game. Hey, it's $14 for the game, <laughs> or it's free if you have a PlayStation Plus account. So think about, think about all of the savings that you get there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> number one, Phoenix Wright 5. Because, really? Yeah. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Hmm. Loved, 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 loved. Awesome. Um, and it was mainly because this was the first game that sold me on 3D for the 3DS. Oh. I never played a game with the 3D on ever. Right. And it's super awesome. The, the characters look great. Like, I, thought, I felt that they made a terrific transition from the hand-drawn stuff before mm-hmm. to the 3D models here. Wait. Oh, I didn't know that 5 was in 3D models. Yep. It's the oh. first time they've done 3D models. Did they do it in Layton versus... I think so. Profe- I think. Uh, I, that I don't know. Okay, don't know we'll that. have to double check. Huh. But, but in the main series, it's the first time. Oh. so And it looks really good. good. It yeah. looks so good. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the other thing that was cool is they brought all of these different elements. So in the past games, like there were Psyche Locks, mm-hmm. and then there were... Um, uh, other various <laughs> oh Apollo Justice's bracelet when yeah. people are lying and then in the new one there was the mood matrix which yeah. was Athena's thing and I loved that in all of the cases all three of these things came together oh really and because it had always bugged me in the other games where like all of a sudden that component wasn't there oh, anymore so, new so mechanic. They, yeah. they literally tied everything together absolutely fantastic honorable mention Attack of the Friday Monsters, which was a downloadable game oh, for 3DS, yeah. and then I replayed Oracle of Seasons this year, so also delicious. Great. Mm, delicious. Okay, um, game soundtracks. So, number five, uh, iPad game called Pulse, and uh, it's that like a music, familiar. a music kind of tap um, game. Mm-hmm. It's really, really great. It's all original music in there. Great. Fantastic. Um... In terms of, like, best songs from it, Stray Light, Cinder, Orbital Drop, and Vija. You guys all need to get that game. It's a buck ninety-nine. <laughs> oh, it's a, and there's no ridiculous microtransactions? No, no, you, awesome. it's all there, and they've been updating it with more new music in it for free. Oh, like, cool. They That's are, great. They are okay. awesome. I will definitely um, try that out, because that sounds good. Number four, Mass Effect 1. Woo! So, yeah. Was that on your list, too? Yes. I think Me it was too. number three on my list. Oh, okay. Um, and then number three, the Prince of Persia game from 2008. Um, the, the one that was like kind of the the first one, the, the cell shaded. Oh, I never played that one. Um, This came after the Sands of Time trilogy, right? Yeah. 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 Um, really good. So good songs from there. The main theme and then, uh, Healing Ground. Like it's, I really, really liked the music in that one. Number two. The Kingdom Hearts series, mm-hmm. um, Halloween Town, and like all of those, because as I said, I was replaying them recently, mm-hmm. and every time I'm playing it, like you're humming along with the music, mm-hmm. and it's like it's it's right there. It's so integral to the series for me. That's great. And then number one is uh, the Phoenix Wright series. The music there is so good, especially a few years ago. I found um, the uh, 
It's like an orchestral version of all of the Oh, that's super stuff. awesome. And it's so good. I was listening to it on the way here, and like the renditions of the Steel Samurai and the Justice for All Courtroom Suite, the Godot song, um, Trials and Tribulations Courtroom Suite, and Kareem's Genealogy are all like so, so good. You guys need to find this Yeah, album. no, it's, I want to hear the orchestral versions. And it's so great to, you can like work while listening to this music. It's like perfect for great. all of that. So really, really um, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that's me. So on that note, um, I think Phoenix Wright is one of those games where the music definitely changes depending on how the story progresses and what the gameplay is going on within the courtroom. And so one thing we all wanted to discuss this week was to bring together one or two examples of uh, video games where the music has played an essential role in the storytelling of the game. So essentially, perhaps a game where if you muted the music, you would feel completely emotionally unattached to the game and uh, making it an essential part of the entire series. Um, so maybe, Michael, you can start then and expand on the Phoenix Wright. Sure. Um, yeah, I find with Phoenix Wright having the... Um, music there gives the courtroom, because it's a very text-heavy game. Mm -hmm. There's no, per se, action. So having the music gives it that kind of action, and that it gives it that pacing properly, because if you're just reading text, you'd be like, oh, I think I'm, like, getting close to, to proving, like, you know, that this person's lying or whatnot. Um, but the music really elevates that. So I think that's, you know, a really good way of enhancing the storytelling. Is there a moment you particularly remember where um, maybe the song or the music really made you feel that something, I guess it's epic. I mean, there's only so epic you can be when you're in a courtroom. But some of the storylines get pretty Yeah, the, the, the third um, game, and I can't say exactly where because it would spoil the last case in uh -huh. it, but um, yeah, I found that the music there, I was just like, oh my god! Ah. <laughs> um, and uh, and then in the Edgeworth spinoffs, uh -huh. the Ace Attorney Investigations, there's a song in there called Pursuit Lying Coldly, and that I always thought was like another really great moment that, that really makes it feel like you're making progress, and it, it amps you up a little bit, mm. so. I always really like it when... Um... I guess it's towards the end of the cases when you're really just hammering, usually, I guess, the plaintiff um, over and over again, and you're really poking through all their lies. And when you do the objection correctly, the music changes into, I don't know what the name of that song is. Yeah. It's one that goes like, that one. That one is so... Yeah, you feel so awesome. It's like, yes, I punched you in the face. With my logic. My favorite is, in, in that series, how it, it kind of uses sound where you will be uh, going through somebody's testimony and that background music for maybe that, that specific witness or whatnot, uh -huh. that's playing. And then when you present the right piece of evidence, it goes like, uh, hold it. And yeah. then the music stops and there's like silence for yeah. a second. And then you know you presented the right thing. Yeah. And then Phoenix will be like, well... You're just a fucking liar. And then all of a sudden the music is like, and then it's so good. They use silence really well in that game, I will say that. Yeah. So I think that that's a good example. I mean, I wrote a feature on this kind of topic for oneup.com a few years ago. And yeah, you should check it out. It's called Puppet Masters How Game Musicians Manipulate You. And. 
So one of the games I talk about there is Dead Space 2, and mm. not so much the use of music, but the use of sound. Freaking jump scares. Yeah, if you oh. if you played that game on mute, like it would be creepy when something came out from behind you, but when you hear a sound yeah. from the right side, yeah. and then you turn over there, and then something attacks you from the left, or that kind of thing. Like, and all the while, you just get that single high-pitched note on a violin yeah, as you like, know something's about to come, and yeah, then, yeah. Yeah. Um, and also their use of silence there right. in the zero gravity section. Yeah. Oh yes. And you're just breathing, yes. yeah, right? Very much so. So, um, so we'll definitely post a link uh, to that in the show notes. Um, Michael, he did put a lot of effort into it. Played that game like over and over again. Walked up to the television to listen to what the sound uh, mm-hmm. is coming from and what the design is. So everybody should give it a read. It's fantastic. It's, uh, deserving of that. Okay, Cameron, how about you? Uh, the d- game I want to talk about, and it will lead into James's. Uh, decision is Ocarina of Time, which Yay. the easy thing to talk about in this is that mechanically music is a way that you progress through the game. Uh-huh. You have your songs that do certain things, or they open up certain places, or they send you to different places, which is cool. But it's more the way in which those songs then end up showing up in the game itself. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the Lost Woods theme, like you've got it through... Sorry, Saria's song, which yeah. ends up all throughout Lost Woods. And as you go, you're trying to figure out the right way to go to get to Saria. Mm-hmm. At the Forest Temple, you can hear the music rise whenever you're near that. Yeah. Uh, also, whenever you're in... What is it? Where all the Gorons are? What is, what is it? Death Mountain? Death, Death Mountain. Mountain. Yeah. yeah. There's a portal, well, a cave entrance that will actually go into a section of Lost Woods. And as you're passing by that, you can hear that oh, theme yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah, oh. Yeah. And that theme song ends up being a song that you have to play for one of the characters to make him actually give you an item. Oh, right, Daruna. Yeah, yeah and you can hear that. As you're walking towards him, you hear that song go by, and then you get to him and like, oh, I just heard that song. That's so. Oh. Yeah, it's a really interesting mm-hmm. way of using music as a way of guiding mm-hmm. uh, like progression and like story as yeah. opposed to setting mood and atmosphere. It's used as like a storytelling yeah. Device. And then into the actual storytelling, for example, and this is going back into the use of silence, whenever you're a kid and you're in uh, the main city, there's pretty uh, upbeat music. Oh, when you're in Castletown or whatever. Castletown, yes. Yeah, yeah. The music is pretty upbeat and it's yeah. it's got its own like quirky theme. Yeah. When you turn into an adult and you're in that town again, yeah. it's silent except for like... Yeah, and the re-dead that scream at you. (laughs) And that's the first thing you see whenever you turn into an adult is, well, first thing you hear is that dead silence. And it's like, what have I done? Yeah. I think that is fantastic. Uh, And then just the one, and I'm saying this more for Delvin's sake than my own, but the Forest Temple theme song. After you go through all that do-do-do, all that happy-go-lucky music with Saria's theme, and then you actually get into the temple, and it's like this sort of dying music, where it's like some some person's like shouting in the background. That's kind of how that... It's very empty and makes you feel alone, whereas before you were trying to get to someone, you got to them, now you're on your own. Right. Actually, that's very true. Yeah. The, the Forest Temple puts a really good contrast to what the forest music mm-hmm. in that area in general, including yeah. Corkery Forest, you experience as a yeah. kid. Yeah. It does a really good job in that, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, James. Mm-hmm. 
Speaking of Ocarina of Time and Zelda, uh-huh. your decision was um, Wind Waker. <laughs> Yay! I love this. I love what the music did in Wind Waker. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a number of reasons. I mean, we could start with the most basic of them. So, the main ocean theme is, is pretty awesome. It makes sailing actually enjoyable. Exactly. Because really, it would just be holding in a direction and going. But then you have that just fantastic sailing theme. Exactly, and whoever whoever scored it, you know, it gives you that sense of openness, it gives you that sense of the, the endless journey, constant progression, going forward, exploration. It's all built in there, and um, that's a song that I could just leave on. Yeah. Forever. Especially when I work or something like <laughs> For, that. Forever. It's so good, and it really... Exactly. It encourages you to move forward. Um, the other things that I really liked about it um, is how they integrate the main theme at the beginning back into the songs that the sages play at the end. Mm. So the intro theme, um, you know, when you're on the stretch screen. Yeah, that one. Um, when you learn the songs that open up the Temple of Earth and the Wind Temple, those songs that they play are actually the scores to the different parts of that main theme. You'll notice it. Oh my god, I'm just in the Earth Temple right now. You'll notice now. it when they play it. When you play it with them and then you end up playing the full song, you'll um, you'll end up hearing that those two songs are the same. So there's this hearkening back to something that you only hear in the beginning that you assume is just an introduction theme, but you realize that's actually the temples in that world. That is their theme song. Oh, that's, that's fucking awesome. Isn't that awesome? Mm. It, it's so quiet, it's so subtle, but yeah. it makes such a big difference. The other thing about storytelling that they've done really well is making sure that we understand that this is the Ocarina of Time world hundreds of years later. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because you go to different places and you'll hear the echoes of previous songs. So for example, when you're on the very first world, Outset Island, where you start, there's a portion of that song that actually is the theme from Corkery Forest in the Ocarina of Time. Very cool. What? Yeah. Where on the island? Um, like... Like on, on outside island. Yeah, no, but where yeah. on outside? Oh, like, um, like the in the main island. world, the whole island, before you get yeah, into the forest at the top. As the song progresses, you yeah. get into a section of it that is. That is the Corkery Forest theme song. And when you're on Dragon Roost, there's a portion of it that is the... Death Mountain. The Death Mountain theme, yeah, oh. as well. And, yeah, they've just done a lot of this integration of previous songs into The Wind Waker. So that if you listen carefully and you're a really big fan... You realize that, you know, yes, this is that world, but just a hundred years later and the music's evolved, but it respects its roots and traditions. And even before in the story, again, spoiler alert, whenever you find out that this is indeed Ocarina of Time's world, a hundred years later, you subconsciously feel and you start recognizing the places as they are or as they were. Yeah, yeah, it does a, it does an amazing job at doing that, and especially when you go down to the other thing that's awesome is when you sink into Hyrule for the first time, you go into the castle, and everything's frozen in time, and the music and the atmosphere that they they created makes you again feel alone and isolated, mm-hmm. and you understand that there's something really strange going on in this place. So you know, for me, that's why Wind Waker. I mean, amongst other things. <laughs> um, is why I love it so much. It, it is the music and the music yeah. design as well. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Oh my god. That, <laughs> like, um, the parts of the, the music yeah. there, that is so cool. If you YouTube it, yeah. um, and there's that guy actually that I posted once, he did a good video on why he loves The Wind Waker so much, and he has, he has a list of all the songs from Ocarina oh, of Time, yeah. and then where they use them in Wind Waker. So cool. well, that's really this is awesome your homework, everybody. Out. Go watch that video. Yeah, we'll post. There's a lot of show notes. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyways, I think that's that wraps us up for this week. Um, that last segment, again, was our January jams discussion point. Um, I think we're doing a part three of JJ. JJ. JJ Abrams. <laughs> and if I... Oh, Lens Yeah. And if I understand it correctly, I think it's going to be a music trivia. That is part oh, three. No. <laughs> so oh, get no. out your headphones, hunties, and listen up. Because you're going to be quizzed. Excited. All right. It's gonna be Hashtag a excited. <laughs> it's gonna be a screamy mess again. I think we'll do. I think we'll come up with the structure. Um, but anyways, as always, uh, we are interested in knowing um, what game you think best represents music and uh, its essential part in storytelling. Tweet us. Make a comment. Put it on Facebook. We'll likely ask you the question on Facebook and Twitter anyways. We always look forward to your responses. And we'll, we will read your responses out loud for the internet to witness. Um, in addition, shout-outs always to our fellow podcasters, Koopa Club, Game Bowie, and Orange Lounge Radio, which is live every Sunday at 6 Pacific? Mm-hmm. Is it? It's is it 9 Pacific? o'clock our time. Oh, okay. Yeah, 6, yeah. 6, 6 p.m. Pacific. Yeah. Sorry, I'm totally East Coaster here. Yeah, um, <laughs> time zones don't exist elsewhere. Come on. <laughs> Anyways, that's it for this week's show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, next week, we'll be back with Delvin as the host. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.